in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode... 79 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I am here with Andy Baggerly. There is a 79 in Giants history. This is Gene Machi's first number. So we've talked about Gene Machi before. I, I Like I said, I don't remember numbers off the top of my head, but he was in the past, but now he, he's back. When he first came up in, in 2012, he was number 79. Wow. Well, this podcast is going to be a gas then. Sorry, I can't come up with anything better. No, it can't be left unsaid. So there at least has to be one joke and then we can just move on. Uh, that That's how it's got to be. It, you know, we could probably just keep talking about Gene Machi uh, farting in the bullpen with the television cameras catching it because, I don't know, we don't really have anything happier to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk very slowly and deliberately. (laughs) Because, all right, so look, last week I wrote about uh, Mike McCormick and and sort of uh, referencing his his remarkable career that was more than a Cy Young Award. Uh, uh, I I got mad about extra postseason teams. If baseball has 16 postseason teams, I got mad. I wrote about the 10 most productive free agents. Like, these are all baseball things to talk about. And for some reason, when it gets to Monday, like, you look at the news and it, you can't possibly talk about anything else other than, is there going to be a baseball day? Yeah, you know, it's sort of been not, not really lurking in the background because it's been on, you know, all of our consciousness and subconsciousness every day. Um, I guess in some places more than others, depending on how much shelter in place or, or, or distancing or mask wearing is actual state policy or local policy. But I mean, the, this virus has defined the year and it is defining the baseball season as much as uh, the argument over grievances and economics and, and number of games and pro rata contracts and and all of that. I mean, the players and owners are very, very good about shining the spotlight on on their inability to to agree on things uh, from an economic standpoint. Uh, the, the, all of a sudden, we sort of pull back the lens a little bit, and and uh, and and we see, oh yeah, there's a big giant fire breathing dragon called uh, COVID nineteen, and it's a lot more serious than anything else uh, that we're dealing with in that small frame, and 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 it may not allow a season to happen at all, or, or if it does happen, it's it is going to look even more different, and um and 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 sort of have take on a different form than. Than we had even expected, and uh, and you know, yeah. So I, I'm not sure where they go from here. It's 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 to be determined. And I can't keep track of all the yo-yoing and where we've been, where we've come from. Uh, you know, it, I I think back to 16 years ago when they were talking about that bubble plan. Uh, I think what was when did that come out? Was that March, April? What what is time? Time is a construct. Yeah, I, I want to say it. It was uh, Dr. Fauci said something to the effect of, "Well, if they quarantine, they come into a bubble." I, I want to say maybe it was right about the beginning of April. 
um, right. probably. And, and and that was still when we didn't know what was happening. Um, you know, obviously New York was going through just a devastating period of, of hospitalizations and deaths and, um, you know, bodies stacked up like cordwood. And, you know, was, I mean, it was just awful. Um, so it was, you're thinking about baseball conceptually, but um, yeah, h- how is this possibly going to happen? And we're talking about, you know, the players being sort of in a, in a, you know, Pauly Shore biodome. Uh, that's the only way that they could make this happen. And then the players were like, no, I'm not going to do that. My wife is giving birth in three months. I'm not going to be, you know, locking myself in a biodome away from my family to, to play baseball for you. That's not going to happen. And so that kind of went away. And then uh, some of the cases were, were flattening out a little bit. And you're thinking, okay, maybe the baseball will be kind of normal. Um, you know, we'll have to the divisions will be different and the schedule will be different and the number of games obviously will be different, but you know, maybe this won't be um, sort of, sort of biodome baseball. And now we're kind of back to biodome baseball in a sense. So yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to figure. It's just the weirdest thing. It was when that idea was just sort of floated. And I think it was leaked as sort of a trial balloon or, a, you know, I, I don't even know why it was leaked, but it seemed so ridiculous at the time. And since then it's been like, well, baseball's coming back. They just need to agree on money. And then it's like Friday was, was brutal for across sports. You have, college football teams and and hockey teams and major league baseball teams and uh, NFL players testing positive and it it all sort of happened on one day i'm not sure why if it if that was coordinated i mean it can't be it was just like friday was one story after another where you're thinking it's not about the money it's not about agreeing it's about is this going to happen for any sport including the NFL at any time this year yeah and and is it the right thing to happen i mean as much as we want a distraction now we've got um you know so much attention focused where it's been needed to be focused on forever which is you know the 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 white power structure in our country and the ways that that minorities have been uh, subjugated and 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 the ways that uh, you know we've got problems with policing and and all of these things that we need to focus on uh, as a country we we can't be distracted too many people have buried their head in the sands and if baseball was around maybe that'd be one more uh, patch of sand that people could stick their heads in so maybe it's not a good thing that baseball comes back I mean there's there's that sort of get gets folded in too which you may completely disagree about and be like hey you know just because I want to take a couple hours to watch a ball game doesn't mean that I'm not going to you know, uh, be engaged in all of these other ways that I need to be engaged. And that that's fine, too. I'm, I'm not saying that one side is right and one side is wrong. But there are some people who would use it to escape and, and, and maybe they don't need they shouldn't be escaping. So, yeah, all of this kind of gets folded into the mentality of where does baseball fit in right now? And uh, and I'm not sure we have an answer. Let's take a quick time out to tell you about Dugout Mugs, a company that started in a college dugout. Licensed by Major League Baseball, it's your favorite team laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug, perfect for the big game, to put on display or to be the life of the party. A unique gift for a baseball fan. Go to dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and use promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. Now, I don't want to get too dark or existential on you, um, but I do have a question for you because it's something that I grapple with a lot. Uh, Do you ever have moments or periods where you feel like, as a baseball writer, 
that you've wasted your life. Um, and I'm not being flipped with that. I mean, like, do you look back at your body of work? Because I do this all the time, and I think, yeah, that's great. I write about stickball, um, but it's not important, and I'm just helping people. You know, I'm I'm just sort of an opiate in in some ways. Do you, do you ever have these like moments of crisis yourself? Um, yeah, I think that, and, and it, it's it's hard to say that that's a dark feeling. I think if anything, that's it's good to. You know that that I've kind of confronted that from time to time, and 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 sort of have mixed feelings about it. Um, I mean, yeah. On on one hand, I I know that um, you know, like there are times when you know I, I meet somebody and I tell them my name, and they say, "Oh, you know, I, I hear you on KNBR, or I, I like reading what what you write." It's it's like that feels good. That tells me that I'm doing something positive. You know, um, uh that sort of adds to, to their day to make it a little bit better. And I'm like, okay, well that, that's, that's good. But then, you know, you see so, so many things need fixing in the world and, you know, what kind of difference am I making tangibly to change people's lives? You know, that, that's harder to do, um, you know, from, from a standpoint of, you know, you're telling people who won the sports ball game and got the most points in the sports ball game. So, um, but you know what, I, I, I just try to take pride in, in, in what I do and, and, you know, whether it's something like, the project where that came together very quickly, where we basically tell you, look, these are the 30 control people. These are the major league owners. Um, here are their photos. They are exclusively white men. And, uh, you know, this is how they made their fortune or were handed their fortunes. And now when we talk about owners. These are the people we're talking about. I think, okay, okay that, that informs people, you know, um, sure. so, so that, that's good. Or, um, you know, the latest one that I wrote for, for the nemesis series, um, which came out, um, on father's day was about Jim Brosnan, who was basically the first uh, baseball author. He, he uh, was the forerunner to Ball Four, and he wrote two books that were published in 1959 when conformity was kind of a thing in American life, and especially baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and he wrote two books when he was a pitcher for the Cubs, uh, uh, Cardinals and Reds. And his name's Jim Brosnan, and he owned Hank Aaron. Uh, Hank Aaron uh, never hit a home run off him. He faced Hank Aaron more than any other uh, pitcher without giving up a homer, and he hit like a buck sixty off him too. So, uh, and he has passages in his book where he talks about facing Aaron and his approach. And I talked to his daughter, and his daughter had so many lovely memories of him, of the stories he would tell, of of the ways that he was curious about the world, and he was just very different for the time. Baseball was not ready for him uh, in in 1960 um, because he was uh, an intellectual, and um, and so I thought it was really. Um, I took a lot of pride in being able to write that story and write about a father-daughter relationship that was really cool and and tell you something that was in the sort of in the series uh, you know that I'd been working on. So you know I, I just try to take pride in that and and is it change in the world? No, but um, you know it's it's something to uh, to inform people and entertain them and maybe make them feel a little bit better about themselves. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I just go back and forth. I, 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 I don't, you know, sit, sit here in, in a fog, uh, f- all my life. I just, you know, sometimes I take pride in the idea that I, I make people happy in some small way and that's about all I can do. And, and that is rewarding in its own way. Um, but I, I, you know, when it gets to times like this and, and then I'm, I'm continuing with my stories and I'm continuing, uh, I'm finding fun ways to write about baseball still, and I'd like to think people are enjoying him uh, even today. But it's it, gosh, when it when the news is just a constant, and uh, uh, rightfully so, a constant stream of hey, something needs to change in like 
a million different ways. Uh, it's harder to justify your existence as a baseball writer. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, not to get too too personal, but you've got two little people that you're shepherding into the world and you're get, helping to them to develop a worldview. And, and, you know, you have a torch that you can pass on and you can always sort of feel good about your influence and, and you're putting in your piece and making the next generation of people um, you know, better and, and more socially conscious and, and all these other things. I, I, I go outside and water my plants. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you, you know, know what? They provide oxygen, Andy. That's true. They do. We need oxygen yeah. to live. We do. That's now, now I feel like I'm making a difference. <laughs> all right. So if there were to be baseball this year, uh, it almost certainly in fact, I, I think we can say it absolutely would be played without fans. Um, have you watched a lot of the KBO games uh, to kind of get an idea what this might be like, if it's going to be even more bizarre watching uh, major league teams do it because you're more familiar with the, the stadiums and, and the teams? I mean, have you watched a lot of the KBO games? So I haven't watched a lot of the KBO games, but I am more familiar with NPB and that NPB just started up. And I okay. signed up uh, for the Hanshin Tigers uh, channel, um, which costs, I think, about maybe 700 yen, so like six bucks a month. And gotcha. uh, not all their games are on. I think it's just their home games. It might be about half of them. But you can watch them live. The downside is they're often on at two in the morning. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I, I was watching one of their games the other day, and it's, it is kind of funny because there was, there was a controversy um, in one of the NPB games. Uh, they could hear the broadcasters in the broadcast booth and someone oh. up in the broadcast booth is saying the catcher is setting up inside, you know, and, and they had to call the uh, manager called timeout and said, look, you know, they can't say that up there because, you know, <laughs> th that's kind of a problem. So so that came up. I thought that was interesting. Um, I'm watching guys go through the high five line and they point at each other or or do like a little like pantomime high fives. Um yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it's it's definitely it's it's different. I think it's it's been fun to look at the like the pitching ninja videos with the different cardboard cutouts and stuffed animals in the background and yes. <laughs> and uh, and the different Pokemon's. Which you know, I'm in my 40s, so I don't know one Pokemon from another. But um, but yeah, I, I I do think it's 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 pretty cool. It's different, um, but uh, you know, it's it's manageable in some ways. It's kind of kind of unique. You and I are, are roughly the same age, and I just want to pause real quick to point out that we missed Pokemon by about, like, three years or so, like four years. I think we uh, would have been in that demographic to completely nerd out, because I do know uh, grown men who just really love their Pokemons, and I think we just missed it. I'm not sure the exact years, but uh, I'm not sure if I'm happy or sad about that. There was a gradient from Garbage Pail Kids to Pogs to Pokemon. And I feel like I was getting out just as the Pogs were getting big. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need something else to collect. No. My little brothers were into them. Um, but uh, Do you know what I'm holding right now? Mm, a Skeletor He-Man action figure. I am holding a Garbage Pail Kid. No way. The reason I have a Garbage Pail Kid in my hand or... or close to, to I wasn't holding it this whole podcast but the reason it was next to my desk is because we were watching uh Antiques Roadshow. Yes, and, I saw that. And the for the first time in a, you know decades of watching Antiques Roadshow 
they they showed something I had, and it was a garbage pail kit. And I didn't actually <laughs> know that I had the specific one. It's it's the very first one. It's uh, Adam Bomb, and it's a, a little baby in a suit with his head uh, in a mushroom cloud. It's uh, it's repulsive. Um, but you know, I, I I said I've got garbage pail kids. I know this because I went through you know hundred thousand baseball cards that my parents dropped off, and I just sort of put those to the side. So I went in the garage and I looked for it, and I found it, and they were like, it was a stack of garbage pail kids that was in mint condition. And then I get to the one that's actually worth a few hundred dollars and it's, you know, all dented and creased and stuff. But yeah, that's my garbage pail kid story. I just missed it. Never got into pogs. Yeah, that was uh, Adam Bomb's first season. So first season was rare. They were actually worth something. But uh, I, I'm sure all of mine are in terrible condition too. I, I think I still have them somewhere. Um, but I started collecting in series two. And I remember if someone had an unopened pack of season one, it's like, Ooh, unopened pack. Yeah. They, <laughs> they were on the, on the old playground between games of four square. If, if you didn't have your garbage pail kids out and trading your doubles, then, uh, then you just were not cool at that time. Let's pause to talk about hydrant. You want to kick the coffee habit, but you're worried about your energy levels. To avoid the morning sluggishness and that midday slump, you need to make sure you're hydrated. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com dot com and enter promo code athletic all right so now let's get back to the no fans in the stands and uh you know pikachu watching the games it's gonna be you were sort of hinting at 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 some thoughts about home field advantage and if it exists without fans and i remember reading as a kid and i don't know you know what book this was or if it's even valid but that uh psychologist said that most of the home field advantage doesn't necessarily come from uh players or fans cheering their players on it comes from the absence of cheers that the opposing players are are you know not getting um so I don't know if that's true. It seems to me that travel and sleep probably means a heck of a lot more. But is there a home field advantage without fans? Yeah, that's a great question. How how much of a home field advantage, where is it derived? If you had to sort of make a pie chart, you know, what 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 slice of the pie, how big would, would fans be and fan noise? Um, I, I think probably in some sports more than others, like football, if you literally can't hear like the audibles on yes. offense because the, the fans are making too much noise. Um Baseball, I think maybe there's there's a home field advantage just because you know you've got literally different dimensions. Um, a team like the Rockies, they're still going to deal with home road weirdness uh, regardless of whether they're fans or not. Um, you bring up a good point about uh, players being on the road. Uh, in in some, I've talked to some players over the years who who like going on the road and they feel more rested when they play because huh. they're not you know. Um, taking care of their kids all day and they're not taking their kids to school in the morning and, and, and dealing with a bunch of people who have demands on their time and, and getting tickets for people. And when they go on the road, they can sleep in till two and, and, uh, and, and then just, you know, rub the sleep out of their eyes and go to the ballpark and get in a workout and, and go play the game that, that, that would be called the Brandon belt plan. Um, <laughs> 
So, so yeah, in some ways, uh, going on the road can can be a little bit of a refresher for for some for some uh, uh, players, depending on sort of their life uh, their life situation. So, I, I think I think fans are a big part of it, though. I I, I do, I, I, especially some places where um, the fans can be a little more intimidating, or or uh, um, you know, or where you you feel like you're against the world. That I wonder, I wonder how much it really does affect the outcome. Um, and how much a home field advantage would be somewhat softened or nullified with no fans. I do believe that Major League Baseball is self-selecting in insofar that if you are in Major League Baseball, you have de- exhibited a an ability to f- be hyper-focused when you need to be. I don't think you make the Major Leagues if you're not able to be hyper-focused in a way that uh, the average person cannot be. Maybe there are exceptions where someone's just such a superlative athlete that they are overcoming their ability to be rattled. Uh, but that's always, you know, when, when people say clutch hitting exists or doesn't exist or maybe it exists, we just can't measure it. Uh, but I, I've always thought that that part of that argument where, well, if you've made the majors, you've probably exhibited what you might call clutch before just to get to the majors. And I, I think that might be true as well when it comes to letting the crowd or, or letting outside distractions uh, affect your play. I know that I'm going to miss, you know, hearing the crack of the bat followed by the roar of the crowd. You always hear that, right? Crack of the bat, roar of the crowd. Well, now you're just going to get the crack of the bat. And, and that's pretty much it. Um, which, you know what? It's, I, I take that. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's I, I don't think it's ever you know I think about like a Mauricio Dubon and he told me a great story in spring training. I was reporting a feature for him that I wrote later about just what it meant for him to be the first player who was really born and raised in in Honduras um, uh, to be a big leaguer, and then what it was like for him to go home and be received as as somebody who's attained this station and this celebrity and 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 you know has sort of brought renowned to to people who who don't have a whole lot of heroes in some cases especially outside of of uh, of soccer or football so uh you know he said that the first time that he hit a home run um he would he looked in the stands and he's like I know I'm supposed to keep my head down I'm a rookie but he had to look up and see you know there were two or three people waving uh the Honduran flag and he's like that just fills me with so much pride and uh you know he would make sure to go and and and, and sign autographs for anybody down the line in BP who was you know wearing a, a Honduras cap or 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 displaying a flag and you know that's that's to me the this what's going to be missing uh, with no fans in in the game is is uh, moments like that, and you know that's that that's a shame, but it'll come back. We'll we'll be able to have that again. I'm, I'm not sure when, but but we will. I was all aboard the the KBO when it first started, and then I realized that I'm old and I need sleep, and uh, that's the end of my KBO experience. It didn't. It didn't help that the Wyverns are awful, and that's the team that I chose. Um, so I don't know the answer to this, but are you able to hear the players in a, in a way that would make it interesting to a television viewer? Like, is there just a, a level of noise coming from the dugout, intelligible noise, that would sort of help make up some of the gap that you that missing the crowd uh, gives us? I don't know. It's a good question. You know, when when I talked to Kevin Gossman and Jeff Samarja again in spring, um, this, this was actually before all the, um, the pandemic and before we even thought that there was going to be um, anything 
resembling the shelter in place or or, or games without fans. Um, I talked to some Arjun Gossman about what it was like to to uh, pitch and play in the game in Baltimore uh, in 2015. Was it I think with with no fans, yeah. um, with uh, Freddie Gray and and um, and the unrest at the time. So, uh, you know, but that was kind of for a five-year retrospective that Dan Hayes, our White Sox writer, was doing. He was just collecting a whole bunch of stuff to do an oral history of that game of that week. And um, and so then I'm like, Dan, I'm going to have to repurpose these quotes because yes. it looks like we could have baseball with no fans. So, um, but what, what they said was it was just sort of strange that, um, you, you know, you would enter the game and you could hear the broadcasters up in the broadcast booth. You could hear the umpires as they're rotating positions, you know. Uh, signaling to each other where they're going, um, which he could never hear before. So yeah, a little moments like that, things like that were were kind of trippy. And I, I'm sure that they would get used to it after a while, but it would definitely be something different. I wrote about that game in 2015 and I wrote, uh, um, you know, about some of the lessons and uh, one of them was that the typical baseball broadcast is is filled with superfluous noise and chatter that you just aren't necessarily aware of until you have no ambient noise in the background where you're used to when you go to a break in a baseball game there's going to be some weird bumper music that's like you know like uh, hard rock riffs these new metal chugga chugga guitar riffs and you they blend in when it's with, when the crowd is sort of there's a hum behind it uh without that it's just like all of a sudden your ears are blasting to this to this riff and like it's for an ad and you're not sure what it's for and it's it it's weird in a way that you would not expect it's the same noises that you would listen to in a regular baseball broadcast but absence the the other context it just it sticks out like a sore thumb and i think there's going to be a lot of that sort of stuff where you will start to pay attention to the uh, to the completely normal parts that you, that you never really uh, experienced or, or, or paid attention to. I wonder what between innings is going to be like. Uh, it's going to be like, well, are they still going to have like the sausage race and, and and the dot races and things like you know the goofy contests and stuff? Probably not, right? I mean, there's going right. to be no fans, so. Um, and I hear that there's going to be no mascots either. Uh, so sorry about it, Lucille. Um, I'm, I'm much more sad about the racing sausages going away if that's if that's the case. <laughs> I, I'm sure they could do it digitally. I, I would still be up for that. Um, they got to give people things to wager on, right? But um, yeah, between innings, it's is are they just going to play music? Is it going to be completely quiet? I, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, um, are they even going to have the stadium ops people? I guess they have to run the scoreboard, right? So. Um, I, I think they want to try to keep it as as much and, and watching the, the the games in Japan it seemed to be this way they would play music they would do things that they normally would do if the crowd were there just because otherwise it would be completely weird like you're playing it in, in the middle of middle of study hall now here's something that's going to be unique to San Francisco is that if they play games and they're they're playing them and that's a big if at this point but if they're playing them at Oracle Park, there's going to be people there. There will be people in the water. There will be people socially distancing and, and kayaking. And I'm assuming they won't be able to to, to peek through uh, the right field fence. But at the same time, they'll just sort of be hanging around the, the ballpark and you'll be able to see them between innings. I think that's going to be interesting and funky. And, you know, it'll be this empty ghost park. And then outside, you'll see the faintest hints of life. So yeah, what are they going to do with the knothole gang? 
Because that could be the only chance people have to watch live Major League Baseball this year, if you think about it. Is it responsible to keep it open? Because you would have people jostling in there, mask or no mask. I don't think that's necessarily the greatest environment to hang out in in 2020. Um, I would think that there would just be some sort of barrier to that. Uh, But I don't know. You know, at at least around the ballpark, there's going to be life. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a good question. I, I, I go back to... After the first World Series parade in 2010, I, I didn't know where quite to go. So I just went back to the ballpark because it was open to us. And that's where the players came back um, uh, to. And, and then I went in the press box and was writing up my, my parade story. And you could just still hear. It's, it's, it, it was dark. It was getting late. Um, you know, there's nobody there. There's no reason for anyone to be near the ballpark until, you know, next April. And people were not going away. You could hear people outside. You could hear horns honking. You know, people, you know, uh, screaming. Um, they just didn't want to go home. And I, I, I remember just thinking how how strange and, and how kind of cool that was. Um, and I, I wonder if you're going to have people honking horns and, and cheering outside stadiums and, um, you know, what, what kind of measures there will be. Because, yeah, you're right. There, there's there's going to be um, regular life going on outside and, and, and people commuting and, and, and people walking by and, or yeah, I wonder if it's sort of still going to be like the honey that attracts the the flies, even though the honey's going to be kind of under glass. Yeah, I think I think with that Orioles White Sox game in 2015, you would still hear clapping, and there would still be you know just people outside. It was it was the weirdest weirdest thing. Um, but since you mentioned uh, cars honking their horns or, or you know just some sort of noise to celebrate. Uh, I'll ask a quick question. How are the fireworks in Millbrae? How are the are fireworks in Millbrae? I, I do hear them on occasion. Um, yeah. Although um, Millbrae is a very um, Asian community, so there's a lot of fireworks all year round, to be honest. Um, I, I remember logging into Nextdoor, which you should never do, by the way. And, <laughs> nope. and, and, and some, some grouchy person was like, why are there fireworks going on? My dogs are going crazy. And someone's like, it's Chinese New Year. Oh right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's because this is this is something that people are, are noticing across the country, and it, it's become this trend. And and you know, Castro Valley just it, it's uh it's blowing up quite literally over here. And I I don't mind necessarily. It doesn't seem to happen so late at night where it's affecting my family. Um, but you know, in New York, in D.C., in in everywhere, it seems to be this sort of commonality. And you know, Slate.com did a. Uh, a little analysis that says basically, well, people are home, you know, and they're, you know, they're, they're, there's some idle hands out there and, and they're going to be the uh, uh, explosive devil's plaything. So I was just curious to, to see if Milbury was had it going on as well. Let's just hope there's no idle hands that get disconnected <laughs> or, <laughs> right. or they literally become idle hands. Oh, yeah. It's okay for, okay for football players, baseball players. No, no, you need, you, so you need all of your fingers, all you of your digits. digits. All right. Well, this has been episode 79 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Tanika Smothers for producing us. Hopefully next time on Thursday when we chat, we will have, I don't know, developments to talk about that make us think baseball will be played. I don't know. What a wacky time. What a wacky time. All right. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on Thursday.